This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Uh, we had a great time this morning, and if you can, I would encourage you to, to try and get that message maybe, because we're kind of going to um, springboard off of what we spoke about this morning. And... Um, the main thing is this, that we just, if I can just capture what I shared about this morning, you can, you can page to Matthew chapter 17 uh, while I do that. But, um, you know, for every one of us in this room, you're here on a Sunday night, so obviously you're, you're hungry for God. You, you want something more. I hope you do. Um, and, and personally, I, I hope you're not satisfied with the place you're at right now. I hope that there is a desire in your heart for more, but you, but you tend to see that, man, Maybe God is a little bit bigger than what I'm experiencing at the moment. That's a good deal, wouldn't it be? Right? Because He is. He's bigger than what we are experiencing at the moment. There's more available within the Lord, and He wants to take us into that place of, of experiencing greater glory. Right? That's what He wants for every single person on this room, because your blessing, just what you shared, your blessing becomes a message to the world out there. And I'm not only talking about money, but I'm talking about... I'm, Actually, not talking about money at all, although there's nothing wrong with being blessed in that area. But I'm talking about the grace, the spiritual grace and favor and empowerment that God wants to give you to impact a world around you. Now, I, I want to speak about the overshadowing of the Lord. I'm, I'm going to get into that out of, out of the scripture. But this morning, we, we dealt with this first part, and, it, and it's the story of, just for the sake of time, I'm just going to highlight it. You can please go and read it at home. I promise you it's in there. But it's, but it's the story where Jesus took Peter, James, and John up the mountain with him for the first time. Remember that story? So he went up the mountain, he went to pray, and then the next minute Jesus was transfigured, remember? His whole appearance changed, and, and the scripture says that his face shone as bright as the sun. So I just want you to think about that, like I said this morning, because I, I, I think sometimes we read scripture and we, and we kind of... You know, because in our minds that sounds so impossible, that sounds so, oh, he had a bit of a glow on him, you know, like a pregnant lady, he was glowing. No, no, his face was as bright as the sun. I want you to get that. So Jesus just lit up, right? His clothes started and, and, um, glistening like lightning, right? Have you seen lightning at its brightest? That's pretty intense. So Jesus just absolutely lit up in that moment. Uh, and the next minute, as, as if that's not enough, the next minute two dead guys show up, well, Moses and Elijah, and they're talking to him. And Peter is witnessing this, and he's going, I'm freaking out, right? Like you should in a moment like that. That's pretty intense, right? If my face should start shining brighter than the sun the next minute, that's probably going to get your attention, am I right? I actually had two experiences like that in my life. The one was in a church service, but it was more a glow. But, but you understand that there's nothing in Scripture that's not available for you. I want to stretch your understanding tonight a little bit because God wants to take you into a place where you actually start looking like the Son of God, Jesus. You are destined, predestined in His image and likeness, Romans 8 verse 29. So I was standing in a service. It was before my first trip to India ever, and um, I was just fasting. I was seeking the Lord. I was just really pouring myself out before the Lord. It was a Sunday morning, and I show up in church. I wasn't preaching. I was just, you know, doing my thing, and afterwards, I just wanted to speak to one of my friends, and there's a couple, about two people with a friend or so, and they walk by me, and they literally walk, and the lady stops, and she's like, she slaps her husband, and she's like, look at him. 
And I'm like going, that's rude. My mom told me you don't point at people, right? That's very rude. And she goes, look at him. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? Is it like, you know, what's, right? And she goes, look at his face. And the guy goes, I'm like, I'm, this is awkward right now, you know? And, and both of them go, said, dude, you're shining. Like, I was shining, right? The other time it happened in a township in Mama Lordy, the same thing happened. My face just started shining. I don't know why. But I see this picture of it seems like when you press into God, when you align your life with God, and I don't have it figured out, but it seems like there's a level of revelation and light that starts radiating, radiating out of you. And it seems like when Jesus said, hey, you're the light of the world, he actually meant it. Because you're, you're the answer. We are the hope. Because the hope of the nations is in us. Named Jesus. So you actually carry hope for everyone around you. You are the light in a dark place. You know, the more we, we blame the darkness, the more we say, oh, the world is getting darker. The point is we're not doing our job. We're supposed to light it up. Doesn't that sound like the gospel? Right? But the point is, Jesus went through a process on this mountaintop where his life so aligned with what's in the world and what's in the heart of the Father that, that God responded supernaturally out of heaven. He was transfigured, and suddenly Moses and Elijah are standing next to him. Now, whatever your theology is about that, I don't want to get into that, but this is the point. Heaven partnered with him in that moment like never before. Do you get that? Suddenly his life looked like a habitation. His life was so transformed by the Word, by the truth. He is the Word, by the way. But he was so transformed on the inside. He so didn't look like the world anymore that God looked at him and said, Look at my son. He actually says it, verse 5. We're going to get into that right now. Read this with me. But while Peter was still speaking, a radiant cloud composed of light spread over them, overshadowing all of them. And God's voice suddenly spoke from the cloud saying, This is my dearly loved son, the constant focus of my delight. Listen to him. Listen, I, I want you to understand something that every believer needs to go through this transfiguration, transformation, whatever you want to call it. But you have to shift into the image that God actually has about you and over your life. Do you understand that? God has a picture of you that you might not have. But who is right? You or him? Right? He wins, always. He's right. He's superior. And you need to shift into what he sees about you, what he believes about you, if you want to impact the world around you. When Jesus left this mountain, um, immediately at the bottom of the mountain, he delivered the boy that was deaf and mute. Remember? The dumb, and, the dumb and deaf spirit. Sorry. And Jesus delivered him. The disciples couldn't do it. Right? And the disciples weren't idiots, by the way. They were well-trained men and women. They performed miracles, signs, and wonders wherever they went. But they couldn't do it. Jesus shows up after this moment, and, and it just by a word, he delivers him. In the same chapter, Jesus does this weird miracle. Remember the story where, where they didn't have money for, to pay the temple taxes? Remember that story? And uh, then Jesus goes and he says, well, okay, this, that's a problem. So, Peter, I have a great idea. Why don't you just go and catch a fish, right? And then open the fish's mouth, and inside the mouth, you'll see the amount of money that we need for the temple taxes, and to Jesus, that made perfect sense, right? Could it be because he was transfigured on that mountain? 
Could it be because he tasted something of heaven in his life that he knew was available? This morning I said, could it be that every day Jesus spent time with his father? Could it be that this happened every single day with him? This is just the first time they were witnesses. But that's maybe why he had the results that he had on the earth. Because you see, our lives need to so align with the word of God with the truth of God, not only your identity, but we need to call sin what he calls sin. We need to call evil what he calls evil, right? He actually despises it when we call good what he calls evil. Jeremiah 5. He hates that, right? When we align our lives like he did, he aligned himself. He tried. He lived the word. He didn't deviate to the right or to the left, but he did exactly what he saw his father doing. And by doing so, he created an atmosphere where heaven felt so welcome to move with him that anything was possible in that atmosphere. You see, so many of us, we want the power, we want the flow of miracles and signs and wonders, but there's a price to pay regarding a nature and a character that aligns with the nature of God. And by the way, it's already in you. If you're born again, that nature, the nature of Jesus is inside of you. You just need to transform into what is already in you. Right? The word transfiguration is the word metamorphosis. You know that word? Where you morph into something cooler. Like Optimus Prime or something. I don't know. (laughs) Whatever. Right? But that's the point what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be ones that's constantly, daily um, morphing. I don't even know if that's legal. (laughs) Right? Shifting into the image of Jesus Christ over our lives, constantly, by laying down our lives, by loving the unlovely, by doing the basics, the things that he said. I'm so off message right now. Is that all right? <laughs> you know, I, I had this experience one day. I'm sorry this might challenge you, but, but it happened, so I'm sorry about that. But, uh, you know, the, the, the Gospel of John, John chapter 21, it ends, or, or in John 20, John, the, the, the writer says this, these following words. He says, should all the works of Jesus, remember that story? If all the works of Jesus would have been recorded, there would not, not be enough books in the world to contain everything that he did. Remember that story? So one day I'm reading this and I'm going, I'm curious. What did he do? Have you ever thought about it? What are the things that's not listed in here? I mean, and in my mind, because I'm like intrigued with this, I'm just, I want the supernatural because I believe we need it, by the way. It's not because I'm bored, you need it. (laughs) When you live where I live, you need it. Trust me. You need the power of God. South Africa needs the power of God. Listen to me. We don't need religion. We don't need another. We need a manifestation of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ if you want to see change in your own life. Do you hear me? We need to get over the fear of it, and we need to say, God, we need it, because if he needed it, you need it. Uh, you know, one day the Lord just said to me, you're arrogant if you think you don't need what I needed when I was on the earth. Like baptism. Baptism in the Spirit. Partnership with angels. Miracle signs and wonders. Humility. Suffering. All the things that he went through, you need it. He said it himself. It's, it's not possible for a, for a disciple to be greater than his master. Right? So we need to get over that. We need the power of God. Anyway, so I, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, 
those things are recorded somewhere. We, would, I need, we need the information, right? So I'm praying, and the next minute, I'm just praying. I'm minding my own business. The next minute, I'm in this place. Call it what you want. I'm, I'm in a vision, and in this vision, there's a book that opens up. And on the cover of the book, it says John chapter 22. And I'm going, ooh, this is the good stuff. I'm going to see it. I'm like, God, I don't know how this is happening, but this is awesome. <laughs> like, show it to me, right? And this book opens up, and I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, are you sure you want to see what's in there? I'm like, of course I know, you know. But have you noticed when the Holy Spirit asks you something like that, you probably don't know the answer, even, you think, even though you think you do. And I'm like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I want to see it, God. I need to see this. And he said, all right, I'll show you the first page. And I'm like ready for earth-shattering miracles, signs and wonders, things that's just, you know, out of this world. And you know what's the first page? The awesome thing about that book is you didn't have to read it. It was like a TV screen, right? So this thing opened up, and this, this, this screen opens up. And you know what I see happen? I see Jesus preaching and an old lady standing in front, and she drops like she dropped a cup of water, right? And the next minute, the first one there is Jesus. He runs over, and he picks it up, and he just gives it to her. The next minute, I see all these small acts of kindness that he did. And it wrecked me. Because I realized suddenly that that's the nature of our humble Savior and King. And I have to duplicate that in my life. The servant King, I just came in and he just helped in any way. And that's part of what was in that book. And I said, all right, that's enough. And I, want to, I don't need to see that anymore. Because it challenged me, right? The nature of God needs to reside in us. Because when it does, there's something that happens. You see, Jesus was transfigured. And I want you to look at these words again. Because this is what I want to talk about today. Because when your internal reality, when, when, your, when your spirit, when your life, your heart, your nature starts aligning with the heart of God and the nature of God, it means you're actually living scriptures, Right? It's not just something that you read and you get a cool revelation, you share it with your friend and nobody changes. <laughs> but it's actually something that shapes you and it cuts you and it transforms you daily. When that happens, there's a reward. And this is the reward. Verse 5 again. But while Peter was still speaking, a radiant cloud composed of light spread over them overshadowing all of them. And God's voice suddenly spoke from the cloud saying, this is my dearly beloved son, the constant focus of my delight. Listen to him. I want to talk about that cloud a little bit, right? Because that cloud is pretty significant. This, this cloud, there's a Greek word that they use for it, and the, and the Greek word is episkiatsu. You don't have to write that down, Right? But this is the point. This is a supernatural overshadowing that takes place, right? But the point is it's being overshadowed by the brilliance of the Lord. I want you to think about that a little bit. There's a scripture, 2 Peter 1 verse 19, and it says, Whatever overshadows you is the master over you. Whatever overshadows you overpowers you. Do you understand? So the point is this. The thing that you're consumed with in life that thing becomes the shadow over your life, and you live under the shadow of that thing. So if it's fear, it's fear. 
right? If you're consumed with fear, then suddenly you live under fear. If you're consumed with a concern about money and finances, then, then that thing is very. If it's broken relationship, that thing, it, 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 you become the slave to the thing that overshadows you, right? Do you understand? But God says, listen, when your life starts aligning with mine and you go through this process of transformation daily into the image and likeness of my son, God says, I'm going to become the shadow over your life. This is this word, episkiatsu, right? This is a supernatural shadow, cloud, whatever you want to call it, that starts moving and it comes out of you as a believer and it starts shaping around you. And when this happens, nothing is impossible in this place. This is the place. Do you understand that this is what the Israelites moved under for 40 years? Do you understand that? When, when in Exodus 40, you can go and read it from verse uh, 34 until the end, right? It says that Moses did everything according to the pattern that God gave him. I want you to see that, right? Moses was given a pattern how to build the tabernacle, right? You are the temple of God, am I right? God has given you a pattern of how you need to build your life. That's the transformation. And you look into the eyes of Jesus, into the life of Jesus, if you want to see that pattern. How do you live? So often I have young guys coming into our house there in the village, and they go, "Ah, you know, they heard this or they heard that. And I'm like, dude, this is really easy. You, You want to get this thing? Look at what Jesus did and just copy it. That's Christianity. He he is the best Christian after all, right? (laughs) He's the leader of the pack, right? So if you want to figure out if you're in sin, out of sin, if you're doing the will of God, just look at the life of Christ and copy it and do it. What he did, you're supposed to do. You will do the same works and greater. That includes miracle signs and wonder. That includes morals, character, servanthood, love, humility, grace, mercy, righteousness, justice. It includes all of it. If you want to see if your life is on track, look at Jesus. Did he do it? Didn't he do it? No, friend. Oh, it's okay if we get drunk. No, it's not. Did Jesus get drunk? So why, why is this a conversation in our heads? <laughs> it's not a conversation. Jesus didn't do it, so why do you think you can you see how simple it is? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just, it's really simple. But when you do this, that's what Moses did. Moses built exactly according to that pattern. And the next minute, it says in Exodus 40, verse 34, the Shekinah glory, that's actually the word. It says the glory of the Lord. The Amplified says the Shekinah. That's a, the word Shekinah means the indwelling presence of God. That word is not in Scripture, but it's a word that the rabbis used to express and explain the cloud of the Lord. So the next minute, the manifest remaining dwelling presence of God came into that temple, right? I want you to see this picture. It came in so strong that Moses couldn't stay. Moses ran away because the presence of God got so intense that not even he could handle it. The guy who spent 40 days and nights on the mountain with God couldn't handle it. Because Jesus stepped into that room. The Spirit of God stepped into that place, and they couldn't handle it. And from that day, everything changed for Israel. It says, when the cloud lifted and started to move, they knew they had to move. When the cloud stopped, they knew they had to stop. By night, they couldn't see the cloud, so God gave them a cloud of fire. So constantly, the only thing that led them in life was the presence and the glory of the Lord. Where he moved, they moved. When the presence stopped, they stopped. So their whole life became centered around the manifest presence of God. This is episkiatsu. This is this word. This is the same word 
that is used in Luke chapter 1, verse 35. Remember when Gabriel appeared and he looked to Mary and he said, Mary, you're, listen, she's like a teenage girl. They say she might have been 15 or 16 years old. I want you to imagine that, right? And the angel Gabriel shows up. And he's like, Mary, you're going to be pregnant. She's like, I'm not married. He's like, no problem. <laughs> the seed you are carrying will save the world. That's basically what he's saying. Can you imagine hearing that? Can you imagine getting that message? And Mary could have freaked out. She could have done anything, but it's beautiful. She just goes, she, she doesn't question. She just says, okay. She doesn't say why or it's not possible, nothing. All she does is, how is this going to happen? Isn't that an awesome answer? That's a transfigured mind, by the way. That's a transformed mind that didn't go into reasoning and all the whys and why not. All she did was go, okay, Gabriel is here. Sounds like he's serious. Okay, I'm going to give birth to Jesus. All right, how's that going to work, Gabriel? That's all she asked. Isn't that powerful? We reason so much that we cannot receive the promise. But a transformed mind doesn't reason. Because for a transformed, transfigured life, like Jesus showed us on that mountain, suddenly you just go, that sounds like a good idea. How are we going to do this? And you want to know the answer? He says, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And the power of the Most High God is going to overshadow you. And you will give birth to holiness. You see, when that shadow, when God starts overshadowing a life, anything is possible. Moves of God is birthed in a moment like that. Do you understand that? When that cloud starts moving over your life, anything can happen. Your family can be transformed. Your school can be transformed. Your business, your workplace, whatever it is, your marriage can be transformed in a minute like that because God starts overshadowing your life because you made a choice that I'm going to align with God in everything that I do. And suddenly the supernatural starts shifting over you where anything can happen. Do you understand how awesome that is? This is the invitation. This is what's available. But we need to hunger for it. We need to say, God, we need this, right? The next story I want to tell you, the next place you see this word is in Acts, Acts chapter 5, verse 12. I just want to quickly, you know the story, but it says, The, the apostles performed many signs, wonders, and miracles among the people. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the believers were wonderfully united. Isn't that awesome? Like the apostles performed many signs, wonders, and miracles. Now that's all teaching on its own. But it's amazing how the believers were united under that and not divided by it. What happened to us? Why does these things divide us where in those days it united them? Something happened with our mind. Something happened with our belief system about what is normal and not. Right? But you're going to see why. And the believers, uh, um, and they met regularly in the temple courts in the area known as Solomon's porch. No one dared harm them, for everyone held them in high regard. Continually, more and more people believed in the Lord. 
Wouldn't that be awesome if it's just like a continuous flow, just people just coming in and, and were added to their number, great crowds of both men and women. Just, can you, do you see some, what is happening here? Why are people just coming to the Lord? They're not saying that there were big crusades and outreaches. They just said people were just coming to the Lord. Why is that? Could it be that they were overshadowed by someone? Could it be that a region were overshadowed by the manifest presence of God? And people's lives just started changing and something shifted inside of them and they just started yearning for the King of Kings without anyone doing anything because there was this shadow, this cloud of the presence of God covering and hovering over people. You know, you know how awesome this thing is, by the way, the supernatural about this? Deuteronomy 8, verse 4 and 5, it says, Moses speaks to the people and he says, Listen, I want you to think about this. He says, You know, the cloud were over you all this time. The glory of the Lord, it, it overshadowed us. And then he says, For 40 years there were no food, yet God fed you out of that. Manna and quail came out of what? The manifest presence of God. For 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out, nor your shoes. How is that possible? It's possible because the shadow of God started moving over them, and everything was sustained by His presence. Here you see the shadow of God over the apostles, over the early church, and what happens? Souls are just pouring in, day in and day out, men and women just added by great numbers. Why? Because the atmosphere was fit, because lives were aligned with heaven. And God said, on this I can move. It created the space for him to do whatever he want, wanted to do. Like somebody described it so nicely the other day. What would it look like if God came and sat on your city? This is what's happening here. Do you understand? This is literally like God just went, I know his presence is everywhere. Don't get me wrong. He's always there. He promised us that. But you know as well as I do, there's degrees of presence. And I'm talking about the manifested presence of the Lord Jesus in the midst of a group of people. And it has a certain effect. Why aren't we going for this? Maybe you are, but why aren't we going for this harder than ever before? Imagine the cloud of God hovering over a nation like ours. Imagine, look at the mess around us. Listen, I'm serious. Look at what's going on in our street corners. Look at what's going on in our schools and, our, and even in our churches, man. We need help. We need something supernatural. We need a God that wants to save to come and manifest Himself, imprint His life over ours so that the shadows of the world doesn't force us, but He is literally being hidden under the shadow of the Most High, under the shelter of His wing, Right? To live in that place, but not just as an individual, but as a community of people. Because here's what happened. In fact, when people knew Peter was going to walk by, they carried the sick out to the streets and laid them down on cots and mats, knowing, this is awesome, they knew, this is so awesome, they knew, if we can just get close to these men and women of God, they walk in something, right? They had faith in the God inside of them. Knowing the incredible power emanating from Him would overshadow them and heal them. Did you get that? It's the same word, episkiatsu. So there is so much power, there's so much glory inside of Peter that he actually starts casting a presence, a shadow of God's presence wherever he walks. 
And it says here, listen to this. Great numbers of people swarmed into Jerusalem from the nearby villages. They brought with them the sick and those troubled by demons, and everyone was healed. So literally, Peter would walk, and it says his shadow. Now, that word is not this shadow. It's the shadow that Peter walked in would just touch people, and they would get healed. That's the kind of presence that God wants to release on us as believers. That's what's available to every believer. I don't care if you've been born again for a week or for 40 years. This is an invitation into the glory of the Lord. It's an invitation into a whole new level. You know, there's people who walked in this on, the, on this earth. Catherine Kuhlman would walk uh, through the airport minding her own business, and people would jump out of wheelchairs without her praying for anyone. Maria Woodworth Etter in the, in, the early, uh, in the early 1900s, she said, they said that, that the record that they know of is that she preached, right? And a 50-mile radius from where she preached, people would get born again in their homes. What happened is they would fall into trances and visions of heaven and hell. They would be so afraid and they would get born again, 50 miles away from the meeting, Do you see that's overshadowing an area? That's God moving in a way where anything is possible. You see, there's provision in the presence of God. There's joy in the presence of God. There's healing and there's restoration in this place. Miracles, signs and wonders, souls, restoration, whatever you need, it's in the presence of God. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. And we get to fix our lives to align with that and actually to cast a shadow over your community and over your area. What, what we've seen in the trans sky is simply this. We just, and I haven't seen the cloud yet. Boy, I want to. We've seen moments where it sure did look like it's coming in, where the air would get foggy. It, it's just, it blows your mind. You look at it and you're thinking, how is this even happening? But it happens. You think, I'm crazy. I, I, I know. It's not my fault. If I was the only one who saw it, then I'm crazy, but I wasn't. Right? And it's just like God starts moving in the room, and the weirdest stuff starts happening. Miracles, people getting touched without people laying hands on them. People's marriages being fixed without anybody doing anything, just because God shows up. My job, your job, is to bring that into the area. That's my job in the trans guy. You decide what you want to do. But that mountains, that photos on that mountain, that's what we did. We just went up there for hours and we just worshiped God. We declared the word of the Lord over a region. We just prophesied destiny. And you know what? It was crazy. Within a day, the, the weakest village we had became the strongest village. Literally in a week's time, it just exploded. We didn't do a crusade. We didn't do anything. People just started coming to church. How's that possible? How did that happen? From them rejecting us so badly, they didn't even allow us to come into their homes. Suddenly, they become the strongest village we have. You explain that to me. Right? I've seen it. When we step in in prayer in the secret place without them knowing it. Right? When we stand in that place and we say, God, they have no clue. They are new believers. Man, they're just discovering the Bible. They're so fresh in this thing. But we just understood that our job is to create the shadow of the presence of God over their lives through prayer, intercession, praise, worship. And as we do that, it's like you create a safe space for believers to grow. 
They don't even get it, but suddenly their lives are changing. Suddenly they're going, wow, uh, I had a vision of this and this. And I'm a, those people are having more dreams than people I've taken through prophetic schools. They're born again for like a year. I don't teach them about the prophetic. I don't teach them about dreams and visions. They're just having them. How is that possible? They have dreams where people that they haven't even met yet, but that is part of our ministry that will visit them. They see them in dreams before they come. You're saying, how's that? I don't know. It's happening. You see, There's a place where we and you can go, where we can start creating a safe place in the presence of God for other people to grow and to rise up into what the Lord has. Isn't that what a father does? Isn't that what what we do as good friends for each other? Isn't that what we're supposed to do as ambassadors of Christ for our city, for our school, for our nation? If we start stepping into this place where we say, God, transform us by your word, and now we start praying the word of God, and we worship, and we give praise, and we thank God. By the way, that's the key to the glory. If you go and read Second Kings, I think it's chapter 6 or chapter 5, I can't remember. It's where Solomon, when they, when they inaugurate or, or, or whatever, they um, dedicate the temple to the Lord. And the next minute... I mean, he slaughtered, I don't know how many thousands of animals, poor things. And um, they're just going through this process. And then the next minute, all the, the musicians are standing with their shofars. And in unison, they started giving, these words are exactly in their praise, thanks to the Lord. And they started singing this song, the Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. And they just sang it over and over and over, over this region. And the next minute, the cloud came. And the glory of the Lord manifested on that place so that the priest and the Levites had to run away. They couldn't handle the level of presence that was there. Wouldn't that be a day if we're all so humbled, so in awe, so in wonder, because God stepped into the room. You know, in the Welsh Revival in the early 19, you know, 1905, I think it was around there, was the, it was one of the most uh, phenomenal works, probably, that the world has seen, many say, right? I mean, it was so intense that, that the level of transformation in the community was, was so strong that, that on Sundays when, when they had the soccer games, and you know soccer is pretty big in those parts of the world, nobody showed up to watch the games. No one. They actually stopped the games. Pubs closed down. The police had nothing to do. That's the level of transformation that they had. And this story is well known everywhere, written about it, where two kids spoke, and the one kid said to the other one, uh, um, he said, don't you know that Jesus moved into our neighborhood? That's what we want. That's a place where God wants to take us as believers to say, listen, you have the privilege. We have the privilege of bringing that into the earth. The glory of the Lord. The glory of God. The kabot, the weight, the substance of who He is. To let that manifest wherever we go. But it takes a transformed life, and out of it, this overshadowing come. Right? Last thought. Back to Matthew 17. Here's the beauty of it. When that cloud comes, when you read that scripture, what happened? The Father spoke over His Son, Jesus Christ. He affirmed Him. He said, listen to Him, right? 
So what happened out of the glory? Jesus was glorified. You see, when that comes, Jesus is glorified. Jesus will be glorified in that kind of an atmosphere. Jesus will get the glory. Jesus will be seen for who He truly is. And people will say, oh, behold, this is our God, the one we have been waiting for, Isaiah 25. That's the purpose of this. But our lives need to shift and align with God. And then we need to contend and fight for this with all our strength, right? We need to start moving in a place where anything is possible around us. I literally practice it. I sit in my house sometimes in my office at the back when I spend time with the Lord. And I just go, God, I, I pray, because let, let, my union with you produces the glory. So let my union with you, let, let the glory start spreading over my house. Let it start infiltrating right now. I pray that it starts moving. Let your presence, let your shadow start moving over my kids, over my wife, over everything. You, it's awesome exercise to do, game to play, whatever you want to call it, and to see their response when they wake up in the morning. I wake up before them. So when they get up, you see how the atmosphere in the house starts changing because you actually practice it. Last story, I promise. I was, sitting, I was at an airport in the Ukraine. I was flying to Crimea to do a conference there. And I'm sitting there, and there's this young couple sitting right next to me. Uh, two stories on that trip, but this one. So this, and this girl and this young guy, they obviously really enjoy each other's company a lot. And um, a lot of slobbering and kissing going on and, and just this, you know, it's uncomfortable for, to me personally in that moment because she's sitting right next to me and just things hanging out and it's awkward. So I'm going, oh, God, can this please stop? You know, this is um, terrible. And, uh, you know, I'm getting annoyed with the whole situation. And the next minute I feel like God tells me, just start releasing my presence. I go, okay. And I just sit there. I just focus on him. I just say, God, let your presence just, I don't look at her. My eyes are closed. I'm just looking right in front of me. I'm, tr- I'm trying to do the decent thing and not look at her. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I'm just kind of eyes closed, just focusing. And the ne- I promise you, and, and I, feel, I feel like the presence of God starting to fill the place. And the next minute, like, I mean, like, this has been going on for minutes now, this girl and him kissing. So there's no shame at all, right? And the next minute, she, she just, pulls out of the kiss, and she looks at me like this, and she just straightens herself, and she just sits, and she kind of pushes him away. I'm like, what just happened there? How awesome was that, right? That's the presence of God. Do you get it? That's the presence of the Lord. Right? That same trip, I'm sitting there in a park. There's a lady. She's smoking, drinking beer or vodka, probably. I don't know. And we're a bunch having a prayer meeting, and I see her, and I know she needs the Lord. So I'm just standing there, and I just start worshiping God in this park, and I'm just worshiping, and I'm saying, God, let your presence come. Let your glory just fill this place. The next minute, I promise you, she, she was on the phone. She puts her phone down. She looks at me, and she just breaks into tears. Just, I'm like, all right. So I walk over to her. I'm like, uh, listen, do you need Jesus? She's like, yes. <laughs> no explanation either. I'm like, okay, here we go. How, how easy was that? Do you see? It's in us. It's available. But we need to pursue it, and we need to say, God, we, we're contending for this. We need to practice the presence of God. We need to practice living in this and starting to cast a shadow over our area of influence. Start in your own home. Start at your school, your workplace, whatever, and just see what it does. Right? Thank you for listening. 
Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.